This podcast is part of a range of podcasts zooming in on the climate awareness of capital providers. Today, we'll focus on biodiversity, a growing investment theme closely connected with climate change. And although the theme of biodiversity faces enormous challenges, investors can play a role through capital allegation and engagement and, at the same time, make a market-conform return on their investment. In today's episode, we'll focus not only on the loss of biodiversity and the challenges, but also on the possibilities for investors who want to contribute to the solutions. We'll discuss the close connection of climate change and the loss of biodiversity, the reason why the loss of biodiversity is an existential risk for investors, the investment possibilities that contribute to the solutions, and last but not least, the impact and possible returns that investors can expect. Biodiversity and climate go hand in hand, and the challenges in tackling the loss of biodiversity are immense, and many different solutions are needed. At the same time, it provides ample investment opportunities for investors, according to Velislava Dimitrova, who is sustainability expert and portfolio manager at Fidelity International. My name is Marije Groen, and in this podcast, Velislava and I will decipher how investors can help limit the loss of biodiversity and contribute to actual solutions. A very warm welcome to you, Velislava. It's wonderful to have you. Great. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you. Let's start with the basics, Velislava. What is your definition of biodiversity? Um, biodiversity is the variety of life on the planet. It is the variety of species, variety on genetic level, on ecosystem level. Um, it is this variety that enables nature to deliver a range of services upon which our civilization is built. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Now, can you also explain to us what is the link between climate change and biodiversity? How, do, how does that work? Um, when you drill into what is contributing to biodiversity loss, there are five main causes identified. And climate change is one of them, with the rest being land use change, which is mostly deforestation. It is direct exploitation or mostly overfishing, all types of pollution and, and finally invasive species. As climate change, though, becomes worse, it is likely to be even more important um, contributor to biodiversity loss than it is today. Um, what climate change does is it leads to changes in climate patterns, and this is disturb disturbing um, uh, habitats. The fate of species in this environment will therefore depend very much on their ability to migrate away from the less favorable um, conditions. And if they cannot do that, they will disappear. Species have experienced swings in conditions um, like this in the past, but probably taken a thousand times longer, giving them time to adapt. So to give you an example, uh, the polar bear, where this story I'm sure you're very well familiar with, uh, the bear hunts in the Arctic sea ice, but ice is now forming later in the fall and it's disappearing earlier in the spring. Um, we have no evidence whatsoever that bears can adapt to this new world. Another one is um, a type of penguin, the uh, Adelie penguin, that feeds on krill. And krill live on the underside of the ice sheets. And as ice sheets disappear, so does the penguin's food. 
Another example, 50% of coral reefs have already been destroyed uh, because of climate change, and 99% could disappear at one and a half degrees warming. Now, on the flip side, uh, when we look at the impact of biodiversity on, on climate change, deforestation and land conversion account for 11% of uh, global greenhouse gas emissions. And we know that more biodiverse forests are more resilient. Right. So basically, climate change is one of the, the drivers of, of biodiversity, if I, if I understand you correctly. Um, so you gave us some examples, uh, Vilislava, but I wonder what's your view on the situation today? What, what kind of level of damage to biodiversity have we reached? Uh, yes, good question. We have already caused quite significant damage. Um, human activity, we know, has caused um, wildlife populations to decline by about two thirds over the past years, and that's according to the WWF. In some regions, it is significantly worse than that. If we look at Latin America, for example, and the Caribbean, um, species have fallen by as much as 94% since 1970. Uh, the rate of extinction is actually uh, higher than the last mass extinction event, that of the dinosaurs. Today, we're losing amphibians at the rate of 100 times faster than the rate of the dinosaur extinction. Um, land degradation has reduced productivity in 23% of global terrestrial era, area. We cannot sit and look at these numbers and think, okay, but this does not impact me directly. As um, about 11% of global GDP in environmental damage is caused annually by human activity. And this is only likely to get worse. As our uh, economy is built directly on the services nature provides, and these services are impossible without biodiversity. Right now, now at Fidelity, you look at this uh, loss of animal species, of plants, and nature as an existential risk for investors. Um, can you explain that to us? Um, this goes back to my uh, previous point. Uh, if you look at the capital uh, the global economy has produced uh, today. And if you compare this with a natural capital destruction, you have one line going up and one line going down to a similar extent. What this means is that we have built our economy on the services nature provides. And if these services are disrupted, so is the global economy. This is a huge risk to businesses and therefore to investors. Um, to give you a couple more specific examples, up to $550 billion in crops value is at risk due to insufficient pollination. Uh, and this is because agricultural chemicals are threatening bees' existence. Uh, about a third of drugs used today come from nature. Disrupting nature, therefore, threatens drug discovery. Uh, but eventually, the threat is much broader based. This is existential threat. If we get to the point of complete breakdown of ecosystems globally, because we rely on nature for water we drink, for the air we breathe and the food we consume, then the impact will be tremendous. Hmm. So when we look at the impact of all of this on our day-to-day, -to -day -to -day actually, our daily lives, uh, the economy, what is the impact of, of biodiversity? Well, the sad reality is that because we are very, very inventive as species, um, and we have been good, very good at adapting to changing environment, we're actually pushing out the point at which we see the consequences of biodiversity loss in a more meaningful way. Um, that means uh, that we are slower to react because we're not seeing these consequences in our daily lives immediately. 
But pushing these out does not mean we have solved the problem. I can give you one example. If we look at crops, uh, because of continuous innovation and improving crop yields, crop production and prices have not really been affected by soil fertility or biodiversity loss meaningfully. Yet, soil degradation is continuing, and already almost one-third of the Earth's land is severely degraded, um, and fertile soil loss is continuing annually. There is only so much degradation we can tolerate, and at some point, it will affect yields. So you're talking about a lot of threats, actually, and I think the examples that you're giving us are very, uh, well, vivid. So we, we all understand what you're talking about. But at the same time, you label biodiversity as, as a trend for investors, as a mega trend to invest in. Can you explain that? Um, well, it is a mega trend. And this is because um, biodiversity loss is an existential problem. Um, and therefore, we cannot... Uh, avoid it. We don't have a choice but to solve it. And solving it will cost a lot. Uh, and it will be a meaningful, a very significant shift in many business models. We have just recently started paying more attention to biodiversity loss. Um, and therefore, there isn't a really good estimate of what it will cost us. But what we do know is that reducing our carbon emissions to zero will cost us north of $100 trillion dollars out to 2050. Yet climate change is just one of the components of biodiversity loss. Therefore, solving that larger problem will cost us significantly more than it will uh, cost us solving climate change. And this is the scale of the investment opportunity for investors. The opportunity lies in the companies providing the solutions to the problem. And we know that the global economy will have to transition to these solutions relatively quickly. And this is a very, very large opportunity for us. Hmm. Now, now, you expect biodiversity-related risk to become increasingly important uh, in investment decision-making. Can you tell us uh, where this is having an impact already today? Um, I think when you think of the risks of biodiversity loss, these are, these are quite significant risks, yet they have been... Uh, Uh, kind of ignored until today. And, and I see three main type of risks. Uh, the first one is the risk from increasingly tougher environment-related regulation. This is regulation that will increase the cost of doing business for many companies. Uh, just to give you a couple of examples, the EU and the UK have already introduced uh, a tax on virgin plastic. And unless companies transition quickly to high recycled content, they have to pay that tax. But transitioning quickly is difficult because at scale, technology for recycling plastic today is lacking. The only scale option we have today is mechanical recycling. And this is not really ideal because it degrades the quality of plastic. Another risk, um, example of risk I can give you is the carbon price. Utilities in Europe are already paying quite high carbon price, but this is a price that's likely to increase further and it will affect more sectors. Eventually, we're likely to see a global carbon market, which will increase the cost for doing business for many, many more sectors and companies. Uh, the second type of risk I see from biodiversity loss is the rapid transition required to solve the problem. If we take carbon, for example, uh, one of the solutions to the climate crisis is replacing our old internal combustion vehicles with battery vehicles. And this transition is already underway. 
But there are many more technologies which will disrupt existing business models, which haven't even started. If we look at a couple uh, uh, in the future, it is very likely that we see further developments in vertical farming, and this will affect traditional agriculture. Um, There's progress being made in lab-grown meat or lab-grown alternative protein, and this will affect the production of meat and milk. But these are very much in their infancy, but I can see uh, how in the future they will affect these uh, legacy businesses. And the final biodiversity-related risk, and this is one that we haven't yet witnessed at scale, but I believe it can be quite significant. Uh, This is the disruption of companies' supply chains. Uh, because of the degrading environment, Uh, be it water scarcity, which will affect operations that require water, or food ingredients uh, that are affected by uh, changing climate and changing patterns in many parts of the world and and many more. Uh, Just to give you one recent example, and this is the drought in Europe that we witnessed this summer, which led to the reduction of uh, river levels and affected waterways uh, uh, transport routes. Um, can you describe to us how um, at Fidelity your investment approach uh, to biodiversity works? What, what can your investors expect from you? Um, so our starting point is the the five key biodiversity loss causes I mentioned. Uh, we have looked at these causes and thought, well, w- what are the solutions available to us today? And we have identified actually a very wide range of possible solutions, uh, not solving all of the problems, but a large part of those. We believe that because of the very rapid adoption that is required, if we are to solve the problem, these solutions will grow, or the companies that are exposed to these solutions will grow much faster than the market uh, and therefore will deliver a level of performance above, above a benchmark. We, um, we also invest in companies, uh, or, or it's possible to invest in companies that are considered best in class when it comes to their own operations or the impact of their own operations on biodiversity. And this is quite important and is necessary because the impact of operations can be crucial. If we uh, take a company that is contributing to a solution, let's say a company making widgets for electric vehicles, for example, it is contributing to solving climate change on the one hand, but if that same company is actually dumping the chemicals from its manufacturing process in waterways, it might be doing more harm than good. Hmm. Now, where do you see the biggest challenges? Um, The current environment is possibly the worst one uh, for the theme. And this is because when rates are rising, uh, this is leading to derating of long duration assets and and companies exposed to these uh, long duration growth themes uh, by definition will derate. Um, and, And where the prospect of recession is leading to derating of cyclical companies. Now, that said, a lot of that has already been priced in. Um, I'm not saying that we're at the trough. It could be uh, we could have significantly more to go, but valuations are looking more attractive by the day. Hmm. And and where do you see the biggest potential gains of of investing in in biodiversity? So um, when we talk about gains, we can um, think in terms of gains um, from contributing to solving biodiversity loss and, and financial gains. If we look at impact firstly, the scale of the challenge is so huge um, that we need to actually invest in all the solutions that are uh, available to us today. 
Um, unfortunately, we do not have solutions to all the problems. If we take chemicals and agricultural pollution, for example, we might be able to reduce the amount of chemicals we use through things like um, precision farming, uh, which is supplying chemicals directly to plants uh, through automation, but we cannot eliminate chemicals. Therefore, we need to continue investing in companies that are looking for these new, more sustainable solutions. Um, in terms of sectors, there are two areas. One is the sectors where you can find the solutions providers, and these are a large part of tech, utilities, materials, industrials. And the second one is the largest polluters, uh, and within those are the companies with the best practices, and these are companies like Staples. When we talk about financial, financial returns, I see significant upside actually to all companies that are helping facilitate uh, the biodiversity solutions. The penetration level of these technologies currently is so low that the runway for growth ahead of us is huge. Hmm. You've been giving us some, some very helpful examples throughout this interview. Um, can you also give us some examples of successful solutions that you've been able to, to implement in your portfolio? Uh, yes. So let me give you a couple of examples here. Um, if we look at uh, direct exploitation, um, where the biggest contributing uh, factor is overfishing, um, trawling oceans to catch fish is so intensive that it can very rapidly deplete fish stocks. But not only fish, um, it depletes many other species as trawling catches living organisms indiscriminately. The practice is already restricted in many countries, um, and the alternative, other than stopping fish consumption, is fish farming. Now, fish farms can also affect ecosystems around uh, the farms, as we know, but the impact can actually be minimized through more sustainable practices, uh, such as mechanical methods for sea lice control or uh, instead of chemicals, or reducing the use of antibiotics or minimizing the risk for fish farm escape. Fish farming has also another benefit, and this one is uh, to do with climate change. And this is because fish has significantly lower carbon footprint than beef, than beef and we're already seeing some substitution uh, from red meat into fish. From a fundamental point of view, this is an extremely attractive industry because demand of fish is still growing globally uh, due to substitution away from meat. Um, and at the same time, supply is quite favorable because it is restricted by regulation in these countries where um, uh, we have more favorable conditions for farming. Um, another example to give you is pollution. I'm sure you have heard uh, enough about the number of plastics items in the ocean uh, that is likely mm -hmm. to surpass the fish by 2050. You have seen images of turtles entangled in fish nets. You have heard about the dangers of plastic to um, uh, uh, endocrine system disruption um, and, and so forth. Now, there are many possible solutions to the problem. Uh, very difficult to eliminate it entirely, but are likely to reduce the problem. Um, and one of those solutions is possibly reducing uh, the, the volume of plastic packaging we use. But another one is to uh, substitute away from plastic. Uh, we can reduce plastic pollution if we shift from, from plastic packaging and, uh, or, or um, uh, containers into materials that, unlike plastic, are actually recycled at a very high rate, and these are paper and aluminium. About 75% of aluminium that is ever produced is actually still in use today because you can recycle aluminium, unlike plastic, without degrading the quality of the material. 
Um, Vilislava, if, if we take a step back from all that you're telling us, um, how realistic is it that investors can actually play a role in solving this environmental crisis? Uh, is this not a problem that is just too complex to tackle? Well, when we face an existential threat like biodiversity loss, um, it is all too easy to say it's too big and complex to tackle and go into a state of despair or denial. Um, and neither is necessary or helpful because I believe that we can actually solve the problem, uh, but only with the help of investors. Well, admittedly, governments have a significant role to play um, in that they have to provide support to the various technologies through subsidies and targets. Uh, they have a role to play in scaling down the harmful uh, legacy technologies through penalties or regulation. Consumers have a role to play in making more environmentally friendly choices in their daily consumption. But the problem ultimately cannot be solved without financing. And this is the role we have to play um, by investing in those technologies and helping them scale faster, uh, therefore reduce their cost base and accelerate penetration. A large, of, uh, a large part of these technologies are actually already competitive on a standalone basis after a very uh, long time, years and decades of investment. Um, and this is very, very important for investors uh, because they do not have to take a huge risk of investing in, in a subscale and profitable solution. Hmm. So what would then be your advice to investors who want to really contribute to, to a solution? Well, uh, the the largest uh, contribution I believe investors can make is, is in two ways. Firstly, it is to invest in the solutions I mentioned above, uh, which will have, help uh, a faster adoption of these technologies. Uh, but the second one, uh, which we have discussed less, is contributing to uh, push companies for a better measurement and for more disclosure around the impact of their own practices on biodiversity, because we're in the very, very early stages of this. We're seeing progress, but it's not sufficient. Um, following these, we need to see target setting and milestones for achieving these targets. Uh, and naturally, actually, the second way will drive to drive change will have an impact on the first one, which will be very beneficial for investors and returns. And and then if we look forward, how do you see this theme evolve over the next coming years? Um, the most important change I expect is related to my um, previous comment. And I would expect companies to spend more time and more resources on actually defining the problem, on measuring their impact, on providing more visibility to consumers and to investors. I would also expect companies to identify the risks within their business portfolios, uh, the risk from accelerating biodiversity loss, and to focus on how they can mitigate these risks. And finally, there has been a proliferation of companies attempting to assess the impact of biodiversity loss on, on, on investors, on companies for investors. And um, I expect better data, better metrics over time, and the emergence of best practices. Now, biodiversity loss, as we said, is very regional and very complex problem. And therefore, I don't think that we're going to see a silver bullet metric. But the complexity will remain, but we will uh, have more data, we will have better measurement, um, and therefore it will become easier to navigate. 
Mm. We're, we're reaching the end of this interview, uh, Vilislava. Maybe as a final question, I think you really pointed out how complex the problem is uh, and it's not always easy to find solutions. But um, if you could give like your key takeaway to our listeners, what would you tell them? My, my final message is that we cannot afford to ignore the problem. Uh, we shouldn't say it's too complex to tackle um, because the solutions do exist. And I firmly believe that we can come up with new ones where these are lacking. But we need to be fully behind them. We need to invest in them to, for, to push their scale, uh, cost decline and faster adoption, which hopefully will uh, get us closer to a world where we don't see dolphins and turtles entangled in nets. No, exactly. And we need to see them swimming in the ocean and uh, leading happy lives. Um, thank you so much for being here uh, with me, Velislava, and, and for explaining us more about biodiversity and, and what you do at Fidelity to, to actually try and impact and tackle this issue for investors. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This episode was brought to you by Fidelity International and Fidelity is one of the world's largest asset management companies. The approach of Fidelity to climate change is driven by their objective to cut real-world emissions and aligning themselves to the goals as set out by the Paris Agreement, reaching net zero by 2030. For more podcasts and articles on climate change and sustainable investing, please visit the Investment Officer website, investmentofficer.nl, if you are in the Netherlands or .be if you are based in Belgium. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for information purposes only and is intended only for the person or entity to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices please see our website, fidelityinstitutional.com en-nl.